welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Oh, wow. Um, I want to get into a thought with you this morning. Uh, it's, it's one I, I, I've shared a couple years back, but the Lord really brought me back to it as we've been talking um, out of Ephesians 5, last week we started um, teaching about readying the bride, readying the bride of Christ, preparing the church. Uh, and I shared last week that the bride of Christ is the church. The Bible talks about how Jesus is the head of his church. He is the bridegroom. And according to Ephesians chapter 5, that we are in a time and a season right now that the church is making itself ready. The book of Revelations, uh, or Revelation talks about the fact that the bride makes herself ready, which means we have a responsibility to prepare ourselves. At the same time, the Lord talks about how his word is what would allow us to be prepared. He, he says that, that it's through the washing of the water of the word that we are made to be without spot or wrinkle. Last week I shared that in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, the scripture says this, to pursue peace and holiness for without it you will not see God. And so the way that we go after preparing ourselves as the bride of Christ through the washing of the word is so that we can be made ready through pursuing peace and living a life that is holy or set apart. And so last week I shared a couple of thoughts on the fact that uh, chapter 5, verse 22 opens up by saying, and, and this is Paul writing uh, to husbands and wives and giving them their charge of, of, the, of the significance uh, uh, of the marriage in, in the spiritual context and talks about how, how wives you need to be submitted to your husbands just, just as we are submitted to the Lord. And, uh, and I talked about the fact that it is a responsibility that we have. We have a responsibility to the head, which is Jesus. Now, I want to say this is that, that, that Jesus can stand on his own. He doesn't need our help. But as the bride, what we're doing is we're holding the word of God steady and in place so the world will know his goodness, his love, his power, his might, his truth. So we have a responsibility to prepare ourselves to be in position, in alignment with the head who is Jesus so that people can see Jesus in the world today. I tell you, I've been in, uh, in several conversations with a lot of different pastors, and uh, in, in, the, in the general census that, I, that I've been hearing and gathering from the communities is that there's a lot of churches that are closing today. A lot of churches are shutting down today, a lot of ministries. And let me tell you, we're not in COVID anymore. I'm not saying that COVID's not around, but it's not 2020 anymore. We're, we're coming up, I can't believe it, four years this, this next March. Wow. How fast time has, has gone by. But what I believe is that we're, we're seeing the Lord move in the churches that are willing to be planted in the word of God. And it breaks my heart to hear about ministries that, that, that aren't continuing on or pastors that are struggling in, in churches that, that, that are closing. We are the bride of Christ. We have a responsibility to strengthen one another. We have a responsibility to, pro to protect, yes, those of us that are members, so to speak, of, of, of this house of worship, but we have a responsibility as believers 
to love and to honor and to serve and to give and to minister to the body as a whole. The Lord is trying to ready his church right now. Uh, One put it this way. I was in a conversation yesterday and they said, we're in it for the home stretch. Can you believe it? We're on the home stretch right now of, of, of what the Lord is doing. And it's an exciting time. I don't say that to, to plant fear or to, to scare anybody other than the fact that if you know that you're in Christ, you're a new creation and there's great things that the Lord wants to do through you and it's a beautiful time and it's a beautiful hour of what God is doing in his church. I'm so moved when I, when I see and hear all the testimonies and the miracles that's been taking place. And I even asked that to you this morning. If the Lord has touched your life this year in some way, can you just wave at me? Maybe it was a healing. Maybe it was a financial breakthrough. Maybe it was restoration of a relationship. Keep your hands up. I want, I want everyone to take inventory of this. Look at that. Look at what God has done this year. Maybe you gave your life to Christ this year. I'm telling you, it is a beautiful season of the church and what the Lord is doing. But I want to charge you as I get into this thought today that we have a responsibility to protect the body of Christ. I'm going to ask you this morning, if you can, turn with me really quick to the book of John chapter 19. We have a story here, and I, I just want to pull a few thoughts out of it. In John chapter 19, verse 38, is where we're going to look at. And while you're turning there, I'm going to quickly jump and read a line of text out of Ephesians uh, for you. But go to John 19 with me. Ephesians says this in verse 29. Again, as Paul is addressing husbands and, and wives, but, but really his aim is to address who we are as the, the church in, in relationship to, to who Jesus is. But he says this in verse 29, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. I want to say that just real quick. He says no one ever hated his flesh, but nourishes it, and cherishes it. The word, the word nourish does mean to strengthen and to mature. So what we find out in Ephesians is that we have a responsibility to strengthen and mature the body of Christ, which is the church, which is us. Now with that in mind, here's the story that I want to read to you uh, in John chapter 19. In verse 38, The Bible says this, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, and so he came and he took the body of Jesus, and Nicodemus, who first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Verse 40 says this, Then they took the body of Jesus and they bound it in strips of linen with spices as custom of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So there laid Jesus because of the Jews' preparation day, for the tomb was near by. I want to go back to verse 38 really quick in this opening portion, and it says that Joseph of Arimathea, being a a disciple, a follower, 
of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, that he might take away the body of Jesus. Now we have to understand what, what is taking place in this moment right now. Jesus has fulfilled his earthly ministry. Jesus at this point has fulfilled all of the prophetic scriptures in regards to what would take place on earth through him being arrested and beaten and, 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 and crucified, nailed to the cross. He's given up his last breath. His side has been pierced. He's been taken off the cross. And, and here we find that Jesus is in Roman possession right now. If you were to even just take a mental inventory of it, when they took the body of Christ off the cross, he was completely unrecognizable. He was unrecognizable on the cross for the beating and for, for, the, for, for, for the amount of, 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 of just horror and pain and, and destruction that took place. You even got to go back into earlier on in scripture when the religious leaders were plotting to kill Jesus. The Bible even says in the book of Mark that they plotted how they might destroy him. So it wasn't enough that they wanted just to arrest him and kill him. They wanted to destroy Jesus at whatever cost and whatever lengths that they could go. And of course, we know in the Bible the, the beating that he went through. We know, we know the lashes that was on his back. We, we, we know that he was nailed to this cross, not, not to mention the fact that he had to carry this cross a considerable distance. We, we, we know that he went through torture so that he could fulfill the mission for you and for me. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we take communion, to remember the finished work. But here we are, we're in this, this place right now where the body of Jesus has no life in it. Think about this. The body of Jesus has no life in it. There's no miracles coming out of the body of Christ. There's no signs, no wonders. Nobody's getting delivered. Nobody's getting saved. There's no crowds. There's no big gatherings. Nothing's happening. The body of Christ is lifeless. But yet in the middle of this moment where Christ, who in his physical body is now dead, there were two men that said, we have to get the body of Christ. I came to charge you today. What a, at what cost are you willing to protect the body of Christ? Are we about the body of Christ when the good times have come and the, the music is loud and the, and the worship is powerful and the spirit of God is moving? Is that the time that we're just coming to be a part of the body of Christ or are we willing to protect the body of Christ even in the down times? The Bible says that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, they, they went and they, they redeemed, they, they, they begged, they, they pleaded, they desired the body when it was at its worst, when it didn't look like the Jesus that they knew that was setting people free from being demonically possessed. It didn't look like the Jesus that was healing the sick in the ministry. It didn't look like the Jesus that was preaching the messages on the mountain. This did not look like the Jesus that they knew, but yet they knew that this was the body of Christ. And the Bible says that they went to Pilate, they went to Pilate and they, they asked for the body. 
That's what I was about to do. I'm going to take a handheld. There we go. We'll get it off me. Isn't this fun? This is church. So we have, if you think about it, we have, I'll take this one out too. I know this will bother me. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So when you think about it, you've got the body of Christ and he's, he's laying lifeless. There's no signs, there's no wonders, there's no miracles, nothing's happening. But these two guys are willing to risk it all to protect the body. If there was anything that I could just present to you this morning, a title that I wanted to put with this was simply risk it all. Are we willing to put it all on the line for the body of Christ? Are we willing to put it on the line to protect the body of Christ. Now, a couple of interesting facts when you think about who Joseph of Arimathea was, which, by the way, this story is recorded in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and in each recording, it yields a different aspect of who Joseph of Arimathea was. We find out in the Bible that, that he was a disciple, as we read. He was a follower of Christ. Another Gospel notes that, that, that Joseph was a rich man, how many know the Lord likes some rich people? How many know the Lord wants you rich? Because if he didn't have the money, he wouldn't have been able to provide the tomb that they laid the body of Christ in for that moment that Jesus was laid in there. Think about that. A businessman went and got the body of Christ. Any business people? Any business owners? <laughs> I love that. I mean, you know, we need, we need successful business people in the kingdom of God. We need people that, that are walking supernaturally in the increase of God in your businesses because there's a work to be done. I was having this conversation with, uh, with a family, not, not, uh, but maybe it was Wednesday night after service, and we were talking about how we support our fire Bible missions right now. We're in the process of getting one of the translations of the Bible uh, done so that we can bring it over to Thailand in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a particular language that it's never been recorded before. It costs $300,000 to make that translation happen. We need some successful business people at church. Amen. The Bible says that he was a rich man. The Bible says that he was a disciple. The Bible says that he was also a council member, a high council member. What that simply means was that there was 71 council members that made up the traditions and, and represented the law according to the religion. And, and, and he was one of those council members. And when everybody said we need to crucify and kill Jesus, him and Nicodemus were the only two hands that said uh, uh, we should not be doing that. The Bible says that he was a man of influence and prestige. And yet here he is willing to risk his position his status, all for the body of Christ. He put it all on the line. Him and another man were willing to risk it all. Why? Because they believed in protecting the body of Christ. What is it worth to protect the body of Christ? What is it worth to protect the body? Jesus was, was, was not 
in the physical in the sense that there was no life in the body. It was in the downtime. And, and really what I see that is even symbolically as a season of transition. Maybe some of you are going through a season of transition and you're not seeing the Lord move at the capacity that you had been believing for, that you had seen him move in other people's lives. So does that mean you're going to give up on God or are you going to continue to protect the body of Christ? What is it worth to go after it? I believe the Lord is really charged up in this season right now that we as the body have to protect the body. I was thinking about the fact that in this moment, Jesus was not there in the physical. Here's an interesting thought. We were talking about this before service. The Bible says in, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Now, now just think about this for a second. He who did not know sin. Jesus was not even acquainted with the idea of sin. Jesus never shook sin's hand and said, hello, nice to meet you. He didn't know it. He never went on a coffee date with sin. He never hung out with sin. It didn't even go through his mind what sin was. He said he knew no sin and he became it. So he went from one extreme to the totally other extreme. He went from it not even being an idea to his identity to that becoming his identity. Blows me away. He who did not know it became it so that we could become the righteousness. And in this brief moment that the body of Christ in the natural is lifeless, Jesus is fulfilling the mission, the mandate, so that we could be saved, healed, and delivered. I mean... Think about this for a second. This is where my mind goes and it blows me away. If the devil knew what God was accomplishing through his son, Satan would have never seen Jesus to be killed. He would have never been on board with that. I mean, we're talking about how amazing our God is. He accomplished like the greatest black ops mission through Jesus. No, no, no. In 1 John, it says this, is that Jesus in the beginning was the Word. He was with the Word. He was with them in the beginning. It goes on and talks about how the life was the light of men and the light cannot uh, be mixed with the darkness. The darkness doesn't comprehend it. Does it doesn't make sense. So if Jesus was going sinless to hell... Satan probably would have said, mm, that doesn't make sense. Let me figure out how to stop this thing. The only way that this mission could be completed is for Jesus to be disguised in sin to get access to go to hell. You ever seen in those movies where they try to overthrow like enterprises or organizations? And, and so whatever the team is that's trying to figure out how they want to get away with their, with, their, with their mission, they'll disguise themselves just to get to the center point of whatever that business or whatever that thing is so that they can gain access to the entire environment that they're wanting to overthrow. The only way that this mission would have been able to be successful is Jesus disguising becoming sin so that he can get all the way down to the depths of hell to take back the keys of the kingdom so that now we could have victory, that now we could be justified and be made right. I mean, think about the greatness of our God. 
In his lifeless body of three days, he was finishing the final work by going down and conquering hell and conquering the grave. And in the middle of all that, you've got two men that say, we have to protect this body because he's coming back. I'm here to tell you, Jesus, he's coming back. He didn't come back and take on another physical body, by the way. He came back and took on that body. And two men were willing to risk it all to protect that body. The Bible goes on and it says this, that they grabbed a mixture of myrrh and aloes. You know what that is? It's anointing oil. And the Bible says that they grabbed fine linen, pure white linen, fine linen, and they wrapped the body of Christ. Let me tell you, there's something about the anointing oil that needs to come back into the body of Christ. Where churches are missing it is that they're willing to forego the anointing for a time of entertainment. And I'm thankful to know that this ministry, this house, we're all about the anointing. If you needed entertainment to get them in, then you're going to have to have entertainment to keep them there. We're not in this for entertainment. We're in this for worship. We're in this to see God move. We're in this to see people saved and healed and delivered and restored and set free. And so they go in and they take this mixture, this anointing oil, and they begin to anoint the body. I don't even think they realized they were anointing the body. Because they were going to place him in a tomb, which they did. They thought they were probably embalming and burying the body. We're not here to embalm and bury the body of Christ. We're here to anoint and bless and empower the body of Christ. I say this to the Lord. We need the anointing to show up. When we worship, we need the anointing. When we were singing Jesus, the anointing was released in this place. And I believe there were things that were being broken off people as we were declaring Jesus as one. Oh God, we need the anointing. Every day, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays. Lord, I, I want to see the anointing move. We had a birthday party yesterday, um, and, uh, and I was... While we were there, I was shown this video, and this, this took place, I guess, this past week or two weeks ago um, over at the academy, at Abundant Life Christian Academy. There was um, a handful of students or the, cl the class, and I guess the teacher was uh, putting on some worship, and the power of God hit that class. I'm watching the video. Did you see this video? Power of God hit the class, and these kids are laying on their face before the Lord. I'm talking eight and nine-year-olds. At one point in the video, I looked at it, and I was like, did that kid take his shirt off? But seriously, he was so low to the ground that his shirt began to slide down his back over his head, and he's crying out, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And these children, they were worshiping. They weren't having a, a church service. They, they, they weren't having some big old gathering. They just simply begin to come before the Lord and just begin to sing his praises and the power of God fell in the classroom. I'm sure some parents were like, well, did they learn anything that day? No, that is what they learned that day. That was the lesson. Church.
church, that is the lesson. The, the, the lesson is, are we submitted to the body? Are we submitted as, as the body, excuse me, before the Lord so that the Lord can pour out in this last days a greater measure of his blessing, a greater measure of his glory, a greater measure of his kingdom? I declare the kingdom in its power, in its glory. God, fall fresh on us. I don't want to just have services. I want to have encounters with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to see God move. I want to see God mark our life. I was telling the story, and I've shared it often in, 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 at church here with y'all, but how the Lord, Lord marked my life. I'll never forget it. I... I, I the first time that I truly, truly encountered the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I was 13 years old. Excuse me, 12 years old. I was in sixth grade. And we went away and we, and we, had a, um, we, 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 we did our, um, our, our camp. And I know that the school still does it now. Um, but we, we, we went away and we had just a time before the Lord at this camp. And as we were worshiping the youth pastor at the time, he put this one song on. He put it on repeat. And he said, we're not turning it off until everybody gets filled with the Holy Spirit. We laughed for about the first 30 minutes of it. But let me tell you, six hours later... Sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, over a hundred kids got filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, praying for one another. I was 12 years old. You don't make that stuff up. The Lord marked my life, and I knew then God is real, God is good, God loves, God strengthens, God empowers, God blesses. What is that worth? What is it worth to see the Lord touch your life? What, what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to put on the line for God to move in your life? The Bible talks about the fact that to each of us we've been given a measure of faith, so you've got something you can offer, clearly. But what is it worth? Do I really care how people look at me when I leave from church and I talk about Jesus and I witness to others? What is it? Who, it's eternity and salvation on the line. I say, Lord, mark my life. Lord, mark this house. But in order to do so, we got to be willing to risk it all. We got to be willing to say, I'm putting it all on the line. I don't care anymore. I'm not here to play church games. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here just to hang out. That's good. That's great. You know the key to increase, by the way, in the, in the, in the church, according to Acts chapter 3? It wasn't the cafe. It wasn't all the extra classes and programs. It, it, it wasn't, you know, all the different extra gatherings that we do. And all those things are great because I believe that it helps nourish fellowship in the community. We need that. But the key is it said the Lord added to the church when they dwelled together in one accord and when they were in a time of worshiping and building each other up. That's the key to seeing God do greater. Pursue peace, pursue holiness, Without it, you will not see the Lord. I want to see the Lord. What is it worth? It's worth me putting myself out on the line and saying, you know what? I can't allow anything to get me disunified with the body. I don't want there to be anything, Lord. I want the anointing. We know Psalm 133. It goes on and he says that, that, that those who dwell together in unity 
that the anointing oil is released, and from there it begins to flow. And the blessing of life, what is that blessing worth? Jesus. That means we have to stay longer in worship to get to this place that we're unified with one voice as we sang earlier, Jesus. What is it worth? What are we willing to risk? Go to brunch tomorrow. Who cares? No, I'm serious because we put our agendas over the agenda of the kingdom and we're wondering where's the miracle. Well, the miracle went out the door the moment that I said, oh, I got to get out of here because brunch is so important for me today. And I like brunch. But I like the blessing of God more. I want the blessing more. I want the body of Christ to be nourished and cherished and strengthened and matured because that's who Jesus is coming back for. Jesus isn't coming back for brunch. Breakfast by the sea was in John 21. That was his last brunch date with Peter. He ain't coming back for that. He's coming back for a church that is strong. He's coming back for a church that is anchored in his word. He's coming back for a church that wants to be people about his presence. And that is the heart of Jesus for us is that we are people of his presence. And Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they said, we're willing, we're willing, we're willing to risk it all to get the body of Christ. It's interesting. They went at nighttime. Nobody was looking at night. Nobody was watching them at night. They weren't doing it to see, I wonder if I, you know, do a couple of stories out of this thing, how many people will like my status because they didn't do it for the crowds. They went at nighttime when no one was looking. My favorite part about it, though, is how would one be able to get the attention of a Roman or ruler and walking up to his house in the middle of the night asking for the body of Jesus? How does one even be able to get the attention of someone of that high status? That's why I love this dude. This guy is awesome because he was an influential businessman. You see, you just nobody rolling up to the house. Here's this guy. He was influential. He was successful. See, that's the thing. The Lord wants your life to be a success and to be blessed because you'll be able to gain the attention of others through what the Lord does in your life. He said he was a rich man. Now, before we just reduce that down simply to finances, what has the Lord made you rich with? In this case, this man was rich with finances. But let someone walk out of here and say, well, I don't, you know, I couldn't do what this guy did in the Bible. What do you have? What song can you sing? What book can you write? What lesson can you teach? What door can you open? Pastor, you're talking about serving at the church. I am talking about serving at the church, but your life should be of, of, of a servant everywhere that you go. What do you have to give? What do you have to use? What has the Lord made you rich with that you can be a blessing to someone else's life? Say, Lord, I want to risk it all even if it means I look foolish in the process. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to, I'm going to put it all on the line. I'm going to close out with this thought this morning. I just wanted to stir your hearts today. Is that okay? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's so funny, too, when these guys, they went to go get the body. Pilate's like, 
Jesus is already dead. <laughs> so they issue the body and they, they take them and they anoint the body. But I also said that they had the white linen cloths as well, pure white, fine linen. They no longer left the body exposed. We have a responsibility to one another, to cover one another, to love one another. Some of us, we get so caught up in our thing. Oh, look at what that person's doing. Stop. Stop it. Love them. Be a blessing. Cover them. I think it speaks greatly to the church that the Lord desires to see is that we are covering to one another through the word of God. So they anoint them. They cover them. Three days, the body lays lifeless. And then all of a sudden, one morning, three ladies go to the tomb and they find that this stone is rolled away. And they look inside and there's an angel and the angel says, he ain't here. <laughs> it says, what are you doing looking for the living among the dead? What are you doing looking for the living among the dead? Even that's a great thought right there. Why do you keep going back to dead things in your life? Why do you keep looking at dead things in your life? There's some new things the Lord wants to do in your life. Even in this last two months of the year, November is this week, by the way, last two months of the year, stop looking for the living among the dead. Say, Lord, I'm moving forward. I'm declaring greater. You know what? Maybe that job opportunity didn't work out. He's got another one. Maybe that relationship didn't work out. Maybe you shouldn't have been dating them to begin with. I don't know. That's your conviction, not mine. I'm happily married, 11 years, this December. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you. What do you, why, why, why are we looking for the living among the dead? <laughs> Jesus, you're so awesome. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.